Welcome to Retirementals, a podcast that dives headfirst into the issues facing the financial sector at the intersection of investment, technology and financial advice. Hosted by Abraham Oksanya, you can expect raw honesty, critical analysis and energetic interviews. Here is your host, Abraham Okasanya. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of Retirementals. I am so excited about my guest today and our conversa- the conversation we're about to have. Before we get started, though, can I ask you for a big favor? If you're a listener to this podcast, please, please, please do me a favor. Head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a review on on there and and that just helps other people to find the podcast the latest review i'm gonna read it out to you because i love it right um from someone who goes by the name of sophie gilb 89 i think i know who that is and and basically they said great to hear from abraham and david this week two people who have both uh, who, who have both had an important part, uh, been an important part of my journey in financial services. I remember David flying down to our Luton office with Barry Nielsen to discuss ways to improve uh, the Nucleus platform. No, no one that Nucleus is very successful. I think I know who that was, uh, who left that review. Thank you very much. Um, I'll stop blowing smoke up my own bomb bomb right now. Let's just dive right into the, into the podcast. I'm so excited uh, by my guest today. I have David Harvey on the podcast, who is the co-founder of Circle, the um, you know, software as a service platform that's been making a lot of noise. Um, hi, David. Welcome to Retirementals. Hi, Abraham. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me along today. So, looking forward to to the, to the chat. So, I am really, really excited to have you on on the show because you've been on a journey um, that I'm trying to go on, which yep. is setting up a, a, a company and um you know uh, sc- you know sc- scaling the company so t- tell me a little bit about your journey what led to the creation of circle yeah so if, if i just say a little bit about my background first i mean i've spent pretty much all my career in in wealth management but very much in the technology side um and, and over my career i've worked at um, software providers i've worked on on if you like firm side who are implementing that the software um, and, and, and for a time, I was at Eccentric. So, so when Eccentric, just prior to launching, um, I was actually part of the software team, which, which helped build that. And obviously worked along, uh, alongside Hugo to, to get that up and running, launched. And I left there when I think we just ticked over the first billion back in 2010, I think it was, uh, when I left there. And, and I continued to work in the industry. But I got to a bit of a, a point in my career, if you like, a bit of a crossroads that... Um, I'd spent a bit of time doing some consulting work with fintechs and they just opened my eyes up to, to look, this is a really different way of working. You know, you can build something on a really small budget. And, um, and, and, and the other thing which, 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 which made me interesting is, is actually you can bring people from outside the industry who look at our industry in a different way. And actually almost go back to first principles and say, well, actually, why are you doing it that way? You know, we've got baggage on our shoulders. Oh, this is always the way we've done it. But it was that it was that challenge which which inspired me. And and also at the time, I, I came across a different way of architecting systems. So 
Um, I'm not going to go into that. Man, that, that's a whole podcast on its own, just talking specifically about that. So I won't go into too many details, but it really changed the game for me. It basically allowed that architecture allowed to build quickly um, and build for change. And we know this industry changes quite quite readily. Um, so with that in mind, I thought, well, actually, now is the time I'm actually going to you know, stop procrastinating about this and actually start building something myself. And, uh, and I started that. And, and then I bumped into Hugo, he's a leaving dude from Eccentric, and I, I told him what I was up to. And his first, his first comment was, well, well, good luck with that, Dave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> as he was steadily winding down to a couple of sort of non-exec roles, um, you know, semi-retired, if you like. Um, but a couple of weeks later, he phoned me up and, and said, actually, can we have a look at that? And, and obviously, I've got, I got his uh, juices flowing again for uh, his, his last hurrah in the um, industry. So we got together and, um, and we, we decided, although it was a technology product, we actually decided to, to get regulation and get um, uh, custody permissions to actually create a custody service. We felt at the time just selling a top technology project, particularly off the back of what was happening in the industry with some of the re-platforming woes. Uh, we felt that a new tech provider knocking on the door of some of these companies wouldn't be a good idea at the time. We don't, I don't think, think they've gone down so well. So we decided to do the, um, uh, the custody, create a, create a custody service and um, with a couple of markets in mind um, that, that we'd identified, which, um, which were potential areas of, of growth, which weren't really being tapped into. So um, yeah, so we've got that together. Uh, fortunately, Octopus, we, we came across their table and met Sam um and then we realized we had some some quite a lot in common about our vision and the like and uh, we were purchased about 18 months ago so uh, that's how we've got to to where we are uh, today in a very short short pot of the history of, of that if you like thank you brilliant stuff i'm gonna take you back a little bit just before yeah. we go forward so obviously you you sold the business to, to octopus yep. you know for 10 million a lot of money uh, we'll come back to that but but take me back how was this seeded so i want mm. i want an insight on the process of did you raise funds yep. was um you know what, what was that like um yeah that, that was that was that was the hardest thing i think was was actually actually raising raising the funds uh, we were very fortunate. We, we were involved with a firm um, who have a lot of angel investors who, who, who literally take a punt on, on new things like this. And um, uh, so we were quite grateful for that to get us, get us off the ground. And uh, um, I mean, if you talk to Hugo, he did an awful lot of walking around the city <laughs> and finding people and, and introducing ourselves to them. Um, it's difficult. I mean, our, our subject matter is, is quite arcane. We're not, we're not a consumer app. Um, so you can't do a crowdfund. It doesn't really, you know, it people can't really. It's exciting, yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's client money? You know, no, no, the person on the street is not necessarily going to have a great interest in that. So, so it was, it was pretty difficult actually. And we had some bumps along the way. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, we did have some bumps along the way of, of that funding journey. Fortunately, we did have um, uh, some. You know, we're very grateful for some of the backers we did have um, um, along the way, um, which kept us going. But we. We just felt we couldn't we couldn't get going enough uh, with it. That was one of the challenges. The big challenge, of course, we had um, was actually it's a it's a it's a slight contradiction, really. The regulator is really really encouraged, and they've done an awful lot to encourage new entrants, new startups with a sandbox, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, the rules also say that you know if you're a firm looking to buy some services from another firm, you've got to look at their financial strength, et cetera, et cetera. Now, no startup is going to have a really strong balance sheet. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to put a lot of faith into So that's that there's a contradiction there. And I'd, I'd, I'd love if we could somehow 
and you know, to encourage more people to do what what you and I are doing, how can that how can that that contradiction be be resolved? It'd be interesting to see going forward if if there are some ways of doing that. Um, because um, I say we, we we presented in the prior to the prior to the acquisition, we presented to the firms and they loved what we were doing. But as soon as that question came up of balance sheet strength and funding pipeline, you could just see the enthusiasm drain away. And um, so uh, that'd be an interesting thing to explore at the time of, of how can how can absolutely. We... I mean, I, I, it's interesting actually that you went there because it's one of the things I was going to, uh, to you know just essentially having this conversation around you know what led you um, you know to 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 sell the business so early to to Octopus. Uh, but but you know grateful for that insight because I, there, there's a similar thing happening, isn't it, with. Um, um, I forget the name of the platform now. It's escaped me that AJ Bell bought. Oh yes, and yes, yep. Yeah, you know it's like Adalpha. Adalpha. Yeah. Adalpha. Yeah, they're based in Bristol. Yeah, we we know the guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, before the business is even launched, right? They're being bought, and and it's that issue of um, you know cap ad and mm. and financial strength and all that stuff, which is all very very important. Um, a segue story, actually, how people connect, I, you know, is that one of your, I don't think you mind me saying, um, Paul Resnick, I know, invested. Yes, 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 yes. And when I was pitching uh, Betafolio um, to, to Paul Resnick, that was around the time that Octopus was, uh, of course, uh, by you guys. And Paul got a, a, a nice, I'd say, big check from that. And... You know, not, not that it's directly linked, but I think he made that conversation for him to to back us yeah. um, much, much, much easier, right? Anyway, moving on. So, talk to us about the business today. I, you know, what is the team look? What does the team look like? The technology uh, and the market segment that you're trying to to attack. Yeah. So, so we spent. I mean, like I said, the, just prior to the deal, we we you know we didn't we didn't spend a lot of money um, at all. And uh, but doing the deal actually allowed us to put some of those things in place, um, some of the infrastructure in place within the company. So we built the team out. Um, lockdown. We've actually done very well recruiting people during lockdown and onboarding. I mean, that is a challenge, uh, but actually, it's um, it, it's gone particularly well. So we've, we've built out some of our operational teams, our customer team in particular, and we're trying to beef up the the engineering team. For a long time, there was just effectively, you know, three or four engineers working on this. So um, uh, you know, it's just allowed us to build that out, which just gives us a bit more, um, uh, you know, resilience, if you like. Um, so uh, so that's been really good, and we've built things. You know, we've strengthened our, our you know, finance and, and compliance uh, uh, functions too. Um, in terms of the the two markets we're specifically concentrating on, on at the moment, um, and it's actually it's the same two markets that um, that we identified right at the start. Um, one of them is the fintechs. So there's an awful lot of fintechs out there trying to create new apps and, and trying to and trying to actually you know people who are first time investors or, or you know potentially going into coaching or even even automated advice if you like. Um, there's a load of those guys out there. They're not weren't particularly well served by existing custodians, and and number one, some of those custodians didn't particularly want the business. But equally, technology didn't match 
what the fintechs are expecting. You know, if they if they connect to something I don't know, like Go Cardless, they expect a, a, a really simple API to work against. That was one thing we wanted to fill that gap from a custody point of view. You've got an API here. This is how you integrate it. Let's let's get going. Um, so that was a gap, and and for us, the, the vision there is actually helping the first time investors, people who and potentially people who need guidance. That that's the that's the target there. The second target was actually we. Yeah, obviously, you've just been around in the platform industry a long, long time. So you see, you see the trends in it. We recognize there were some firms who perhaps have grown up with RAP who had the governance structures within those firms to actually become a platform of their own, like a micro platform of their own. Mm. Um, uh, and we felt actually we could provide the technology and the custody service to, to, to allow them to facilitate that. It gives them um, a, a, greater, a greater control over their client journey. It brings them even closer to their clients um, than what they have with, with an existing wrap So we, we felt there was a market there. We didn't know the sort of size of that market when we first came up with the idea, but certainly Hugo put some feelers out there and actually we realized, yes, there's, there's, there's an awful lot of interest to this, particularly those, those firms who, um, who perhaps have a DFM um, arm uh, to them. So um, we felt it was a really good, a really strong fit for, for those guys, particularly if they want to distribute to the to other IFAs. They could like say, create a micro platform of their own. And one of our early um, early firms, P1, um, they, they, they were exactly that model. Um, you know, they wanted to not only for their own service on their own in-house IFA, they, they now um, distribute it out to um, to uh, different firms. So that those, those those two markets are effectively the the, the ones we we target on. Obviously, future plans. You know, it originally was. A, Technology product, uh, product, um, and potentially selling uh, software as a SaaS on a SaaS basis in the future. That's definitely, definitely on the cards. Um, it, it, you know, there's an awful lot of sort of back office market facing software out there, which is, which is, which is, you know, quite old now. Um, there's still some mainframe green screen stuff, stuff lurking around the industry. And actually, why don't we change that and actually bring it on a, on a, on a, on a software as a service basis. So that's, that's a potential future market um, there. Um, but we, 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 we're doing, we're doing well. We, we're generating some interest in, 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 in the two markets we're focusing on the moment. So, uh, so it's all good. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, so actually your offering isn't meant directly, isn't aimed directly at um, IFAs, you know, you're sort of your small independent IFAs, um, you're really targeting, you know, larger, perhaps IFA firms who have some sort of discretionary permission. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We feel, um, we feel, um, you know, to, to, to run the discretionary models, you have to have the extra governance in there anyway. Um, and so, so we, we we felt that that was a, that was a, a sweet. That's not to say. I mean, there are IFA firms um, who who want to use our service. Anyway, we, we're talking to to a number of them. Um, yeah, it's, uh, more often than not, they they have already have the permission to do it, but some some don't. There's one or two extra permissions they have to they have to take to uh, to, to facilitate that. Um, but yeah, you know, we we there's a sweet spot there we we, we think there is um, and it's that it is that control factor for for their clients it does bring them closer they don't have a, a third party in the way of, of of it all if you like and um and that's the thing which is attractive to to, to firms who are coming our way that that's that's brilliant so talk a little bit about the fintech side of things you know you've been doing some interesting stuff on there you've um essentially helped a couple of the the fintechs yep. um you know come to the to the market talk 
a, a little bit about if you give give us a few examples of, of the ones that you've you've been working with yep. and what, what you're doing for them in essence. Sure, sure. So so for for the fitness, let's take a let's take an example of um uh, well, let's use Penfold. Uh, Penfold, yes. Uh, so, so I'm sure you heard this. So, so they they so I have, but again for the for yeah. the purpose of the audience, who is Penfold? What do they do and 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 how do you guys? The Penfold um again they've created they've spotted an absolute niche in the pension market. Um, providing a pension for self-employed people um, and that and that's their niche and actually they've hit a really good sweet spot there and they've got a great a great app to, to easily allow self-employed people to invest into their pensions um, um, so for them um, I mean they they, they outsource their pension and, and they, they sort that side of things out but for us it, the reason they need us was just for pure custodian service um, via an API uh, so they could actually just hold their assets on, on the and, and obviously they didn't have the client money permission. So they we, we just run the client money and the custody for for them via our API. So it's it's a relatively simple um, set of um, uh, functionality that we offer them, but it's it's easier to integrate. I think the they integrated to us within literally weeks. It was it was just a few weeks to get them up and running, and um, and they've been re really successful. You know, we do work together with, with firms along the way. As, as the sort of, uh, you know, difficulties within China, like we might have to make a different integration to payment providers or something. We've helped them out with, with things like that. So, um, yeah, it's been, that's been a really good relationship with, with, with those guys. Um, uh, there's, there's another example of Wombat. Wombat, yes. yeah. So, so they're, again, they're more a first-time savings um, app. Um, and again, it's the same service we provide to them. It's just it's just that trading um, custody uh, uh, service form via the API, and they have their app um, uh, so, so Wombat's an interesting one, and I want to come back to the sort of the advice and wealth. Yes, yeah, yeah. But Wombat's an interesting one. So you guys are in the mix in terms of the, you know, in terms of the custody side of things. Yes. And, and are they using some sort of US-based um, um, app? You know, I, I thought it was Drive Wealth for the direct, you know, security side of things. I'm not quite sure how yeah. the equation works. So they use them to trade and they use you guys for- No, no, so so, so um, they they send all their orders to us and we send them out to the market. We, we don't actually have an in-house dealing desk. We outsource that. Um, uh, that's one of the things we felt, again, as a startup, it, we felt that was probably a, <laughs> a bite too much to take at the, at the time of, of what risk capacity do we actually have. Um, so we outsource that. So, that, yeah, they send the orders, we send them out to market and they get executed and settled and settled on Crest. Uh, the drive wealth one is an interesting one. And that's something we, you know, that's something we, we are considering um, because um, there's the pros and cons of that um but there's there's um yeah it's a, it's a way of facilitating really really cheap um yes. uh, a, a trading um but there obviously are the the whole i mean i'm not <laughs> i'm not I'm an expert on it but there's the whole pfoff thing as well going on there as well so um which i think i think you probably were a lot more uh, um uh, knowledgeable on that than i am um so so yeah so, so but we can we, we have a, a a service where we can accept orders we will send them to market and we'll you know sell the sell the assets into our into our nominee um, and again, it's all via the API. In, in, incredible stuff. So let's come back home, right, to the sort of the, the IFA yeah. world. So let's take the example of P1, for instance. Yeah. So you're providing them custody for the API, or the, the, sorry, the, the API custody, um, and they, they build the front end and the integrations 
with the likes of back office system in Teleflu and, and the like? Is that is yeah, that how no, that not, not quite so, so for for the for the fintechs it's very much it's just an API thing because they you know they've all got the, the tech teams and that obviously some IFA firms don't have a tech team. We have some IFA firms which do, uh, but, yeah. but some don't. P1 didn't have a at the time they didn't have any any tech team uh, whatsoever. So we actually provided the front end uh, for, for for that firm. So so yeah, so we, we set them up as a, as, a, as a platform. We provide the front end. Again, that talks to the same APIs as, as, as what Wombat does or, or, or Penfold, uh, and we and we handle the custody um, uh, under, underneath the hood for for that. And who builds the integration with the back office system? So the integration, yes. Yeah, so the, so so we we're building uh, integrations, but we also have other firms who've chosen to build that themselves. Right. Um, so for instance, there's a firm called Digi. Um, and, and there's a connection there with P1 as well, but uh, they, they've built their own software calling our APIs. They've actually moved slightly further um, further to the left within the, the whole IFA journey than what, what we have, but they've built um, a suite of APIs into, into, into some of the, um, uh, the, the main, main players of, uh, of, the, of the back office market. So, um, so it's a we can do either. Um, so we're building them, but equally our firms, they can integrate to us and integrate uh, to, to your back office providers or other any other tools um, they like uh, at the same time. That's interesting. I should check that out. Did you say digit? D digi, digi. It's digi. Okay, digi. good. Without the T. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool stuff. No, fascinating stuff. So, so let's um, let's talk a little bit about the cost. Yeah, my yeah. favorite subject of the cost structures. Yeah. Give us an insight to that. So what does the cost stack look like yeah. from the perspective of the um, wealth management firm or the IFA firm, um, you know, working with you guys? Sure, sure. So, so we, um, we landed on a, on, on, a BIPs, on a BIPs charge in the end. Um, we do have we do have some some sort of usage based type charges in there as well. So, for example, if we had a firm who wanted to offer a universe of say 5,000 instruments, they're going to pay a lot more than a firm who's offering a universe of 50 instruments because right. there's an actual cost of, to us uh, of, of one, getting prices for those, that, those extra instruments, running dividends, running uh, reconciliations for, for that extra. So, so, that, so we decided actually, you know, there's a usage-based element of it in there as well, um, which sometimes BIPs, particularly as you lower the BIPs, doesn't, doesn't cover. Um, the the firms themselves so we only build the firms we don't build the end client we build the firms um, the firms and them then themselves can choose whatever pricing model they then use so um uh, some firms choose to put some margin on just to cover any additional costs they might um might uh, uh, incur as running a platform um others choose to put a lot more on there um, and it's really up to them. We don't, we don't, we don't, um, we make no, you know, we, we make no influence of what, what they decide to do with their, um, with their end client charging, but they'll charge the client, the money from the client goes to them and, and we process all that, all that for them. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's optional really. We, we don't dictate that. So, so again, I'm going to push you for a figure. What order are we talking about? Because I, I know there's a calculator on your website. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is transparent. So, so we're talking what? 10 basis points? Yeah, 10, um, 10 basis points is, is, right. is, the, is, right. is the charge, yeah. Uh, uh, and then the, the usage fee is, yeah. is on top of that. Yeah. Right. And that, that includes not just things like trading additional security, but talk about the wrappers, the tax wrappers and the sort of 
because you guys don't have a proper right now and uh, I, I gather you're, you're getting it. So talk, talk to me about what, yeah, so, what so, so, so we, we have a SIPRAPA via a third party. So, right. and, and again, that cost is passed on to the, is, is, is passed. So we don't bundle it all up with our charge. It, it's passed on to the, to the client. Um, the, the use of space charges, uh, where we do incur trading costs, we will pass that on. Uh, and so that's, that's that's normally around exchange trades. Um, so we will pass that cost on, and that's that's partly our own our own uh, you know costs of settling trades plus dealing costs. Um, so we, so we will we will pass that on. Uh, the usage charge in the interim is a very very small small amount. Um, you know, so so if if someone has got hundred hundred uh, assets in the in the universe, it's not a significant amount. They're paying. You know, it, it works out in. You know, a few hundred pounds a year type thing. So right. it's not it's not um uh, significant um so so that that that's kind of where we want to be going with it is is the usage charge in the field and I, I think you know in in the future um i think custody custody costs are going to come down um why why is the flat fee structure in in the sort of thing that you're doing so difficult i have my theory right yeah. and my theory is that you've got all these people in the plumbing Yep. Or the, the the trading your your kind of um, all funds and um, what's the other one I forget their name now um, you know who are essentially doing the fund trading and because this platform my words not yours their legacy they are essentially drunk on the good old basis points it's impossible for you guys to because ultimately what you're doing is providing a technology. Um, why should that be based on? Why why should that be be AUM based? It, I think in the future that that can change. Uh, I, what I would say is you don't need tens of million tens of millions of pounds building this technology. Uh, right. we, we certainly didn't spend that, that much. I mean, it, it talks about Paul Resnick. <laughs> you ask him uh, what the sort of rough figures were, but we didn't spend tens. Of I know the figures. I just don't know that you like me to talk about it, but carry on. Yeah, 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 no, no, no. So, so we didn't spend that, and that, and that's the myth which has got to be. And frankly, the, the fintechs prove this as well. Um, I mean, I, I went, I saw a, a fintech out in Madrid who actually had their own client money permissions and ran that right. themselves. They did not spend millions of pounds. You don't need to do that anymore um so so th then you've got to look at it well actually how can we then start bringing it down it is it's the technology to bring it down there's all sorts of automations can do there there is a point though there are some market services out there which do have a basis points charge um and, it, and it's quite difficult to move to, to move away from that is quite so for instance crest there is a, a small basis points charge for, for custody and it's more if you want to hold um if you want to hold us stocks for instance um it, it's a greater charge there so you're going to get it down to a certain level but then the whole usage based thing comes comes in you know if you, if you think of, of how, how, how platforms work they, they will charge 25 basis points upwards and it's all bundled in and, and no one really knows what you know what is yeah. how much does it cost us to take pain it's all we don't in an easy bit to charge it doesn't need to be like that yeah. the, other, the only other challenge to it is is if you do go this sort of usage based charge uh, model it's then how do you present that to the firms and, and how can they overlay that and then present something simple to the client? Because one thing we do want to keep, keep it, it's something simple for clients to understand. There's a challenge around that of how it gets presented. Um, but ultimately, custody should be able to come down and move towards, a, 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 like I said, a more usage-based flat fee type, type structure in, in the future. 
I think what you're doing is really fascinating because we could, I mean, what you're doing is essentially is, you know, yes, I don't think this is for small independent IFAs with less than, I would say, um, you know, 200 million of, of assets, um, you know, but essentially any reasonable firm who wants this responsibility can take it on, right? A lot of responsibility, additional responsibility to, to take on. So we could end up where, I don't know if we're going to get there where everybody kind of have, I say everybody, but you have multiple platforms. Yep. It's no longer, um, you know, um, 20 or 25 or, or 30. You could have essentially different implementation of your API. Very much so, yeah, and that's um, and it's funny. There's, there's other players in the market similar to us who, who are trying to do that. So someone like Hubbard, they've got the same the same idea. Um, so yes, I think I think that's that's a possibility. Um, I think I think people have been um, scared off this whole thing. Um, and again, when, when you when you're seeing figures like a billion pounds spent across the industry replatforming, that, that puts people off. But like I say, it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, we've proven it doesn't have to be that way. Um, uh, so so yeah, it is possible to have an explosion of these micro platforms if you, if you like. Yeah, I mean the the fascinating thing coming back to the issue of cost and um, you know the the traditional platform is that if you take somebody like. Um, us and advisors that we yep. work with, essentially in our portfolios, we have six funds, right? You know, I'm thinking of a range of portfolio, but we have six funds, right? Those six funds are for, for, from three asset managers, yep. right? Dimensional, um, Vanguard, BlackRock, yep. right? We have a, a few other firms who have something slightly different, but right? So, so it shouldn't cost, um, you know, 30 basis point to hold, and, and we don't trade, uh, you know, often we use drifted tolerance and, you know, in terms of the rebalancing side of things. So it shouldn't cost 30 basis point, but of course, because the traditional platform, they have to layer in the cost mm -hmm. of the other IFA down the road, who maybe want to hold 50 different funds and yeah. go in and out of the market. That essentially that cost gets passed to to our clients, which we don't want. So I think your 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 model is very enable enabling in that regard. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a very very interesting. But that whole cross subsidy thing, um, you know, we've we've always always to try and shy away from that. You know, that the firms should be paying for what they're using not what other firms are using. So yeah, totally, totally get that one. <laughs> so Fascinating stuff, fascinating. Look, I think you, you've you done an incredible job. Um, you know, you sold the business to, 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 um, to Octopus for, mm. for, for 10 million, I yep. think it's public record. So you must be awash with cash. How old are you? You look like you're in your thirties. Uh, what are you going <laughs> to do? What are you doing with all this? I'm in my thirties. That's that's very very flattering, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm, I'm actually a little bit older than that. Um, but no, no, look, look the, the whole Octus thing. It, yeah, there's no exit yet. It, there's still a lot of work to be done done here. Um, yeah. So so no, I'm I, no no. <laughs> I'm not a wash me cash. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it, look, to be honest. Yeah, we're particularly grateful with Octopus, and 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 the thing the thing which I really liked at the time was actually this is a, this is a long-term thing it's not it's not a short-term 
three, five years churn it. It's a long-term project. And then we've got a lot of ideas of, of some of the other things we, we can do within the, within the group itself, um, particularly with some of their recent acquisitions in terms of Hatch and the like. So there's some exciting things we think we can do as a, as a, as a combined thing. But Octopus take, take the view of long-term projects to do the right thing for clients and, and advisors. Um, which is which is what was what was attractive about it at the time. I feel like I should move on, or you want me to move on, but you're being modest. It was a cash purchase, purchase wasn't it? It wasn't like an exchange of shares of Octopus. So I'm not saying that you're going to run away. No, 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 no. no. It, it, it was a cash purchase for the shareholders, not necessarily the founders. <laughs> right. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, let me. I'll. I'll you're, you're secretive with me. No, yeah. Right. Okay. Good stuff. So let's. Like, I want to begin to to wrap this up with um, two questions. So yeah. tell us. Uh, so this is a uh, a podcast about retirement, after all. Yes. So um, tell us about how you personally, David. How do you think about your own retirement plan? Of course, this is still looks like this is decades away. But how, how do you approach this? What do you hold in your portfolio? What, what does that look like? Yeah, so so well, <laughs> when, when you when you when you do a startup, uh, <laughs> particularly uh, if you if you've uh, you know never done it before and had major successes before, um, you, 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 the retire the whole the whole saving for your future goes on the shelf for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so so, um, but obviously no no. So I've I've come back to that now into that world. Um, so look, I, I I'd have a sip. I have a model portfolio for it, and um, uh, and, and, and I allow, I, frankly, I, I allow. I'm not an expert in it. Discretionary managers are experts in this, and I've just allowed them to to, to manage that on, on my behalf. Um, so that's the way I think about it. Um, I'm now in a position where I, you know I, I try and fill my ices up each year. Um, I try and do the junior ices, but I, the, the junior ices is a funny one for me because although yes, it'd be good for the kids to, to have some. Background, but I don't want them. I mean, if you look at if you look at the uh, the, the choice limits now, you know, and you look, think that if you, you invest into that for ten years, well, you know, <laughs> what they're going to do when they're eighteen with all that money? And I think, well, actually, no, I'm not not sure that's a, a good thing. Actually, I um, I, I schooled it into my my nine year old right that yeah. this is your university <laughs> this is your university money. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, but <laughs> when you got Who knows what they do, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it could be university money, and I think that's fair enough. But you know, it's a it's a it's a big limit now, and you can, and you can buy an awful lot when they're eighteen. So uh, yeah, there's just that element of of me, I think, and, and maybe you know that, that's that's my background. But it, it's actually you know they, they've got to know to work for this as well. Um, you know, so but that's that's a that's a that's a, a parenting discussion, I suppose, isn't it? So. Uh, um, and just put your big vision out there in the world. So you still have many, many more years in the, in the industry and, and with Circle and what you're building. So we're sitting here, you and I, in, let's say, I don't know, 10 years time. What is Circle? What does Circle look like? What change or difference are you making in the world? Yeah, so, so the, the, the goal, the, one of the original goals, um, and again, this is, completely supported by octopus because they had the same thing it is that we actually want to bring that cost the cost what we already touched on the cost down yeah if we can bring custody down that's great if we can create technology 
to make advisors more efficient, then actually that advice fee starts, you know, the cost of advice starts coming down and we can bring that down. And then what that means is then the entry to get advice, that starts coming down. If we can facilitate fintechs, they start bringing people up and eventually those two, those two worlds should collide. So that for us, that's what the, the main mission is. Um, from our point of view, if we do that via a custody service, that's great. If we do that by our SaaS service and we power, um, you know, you know, an online broker or, or something like that, um, we're facilitating it all across the market. That's effectively we want to be. We want to be across the market doing this stuff, whether it's technology, whether it's custody. Um, we want to be facilitating the bringing down advice and giving access to to help, whether that's guidance through something like Hatch. Um, uh, you know, we want to facilitate people getting the help they need. Um, you know, at the moment that people get the help, I've got to have a certain amount of um, um, assets before it becomes viable. We want to change that world because, um, frankly, some of the people lower down would, would probably want to probably need the help more, <laughs> if you like. So, um, so that's that's the mission there. But it's um, and, and for us as well, we we definitely see there's opportunities um, overseas for the technology. Um, that there's definitely there's definitely uh, potential future growth there and in some respects we you know we, we can kind of replicate the octopus energy model to a degree um that's exactly what they've done they've created great energy service in the uk and then now they're selling their technology to to other parties um one in australia for, for instance so um so yeah so that it's, it's that model we'd like to recreate if we can incredible stuff look david it's been incredibly inspiring talking to you um you know learning about your journey and um you know long long may continue thank you very much for your your time and thank you for coming on the podcast yeah, no, th thanks thanks a lot abraham it's really been really enjoyable so uh, so good good to talk I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together, led by my producer, Hannah Dickinson. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline App, the retirement planning software, and Bitfolio, the high-tech, low-cost, flat-fee model portfolio manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on Money. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.